0: I'm Gabby Edlin and in 2016 I founded the charitable organisation Bloody Good Period. BGP exists to provide menstrual supplies to asylum seekers, refugees and those who can't afford them. I decided to create Stay In The Room podcast in order to bring men into the conversation, not just because they earn more money, gender pay gap, and can therefore donate more, but because I believe that menstrual equity and with that period poverty is everybody's problem. And by assuming that men don't care about menstruation, we're assuming they don't have empathy and they don't care about and learn from the women and people who menstruate in their lives. Staying in the room with me tonight is Jeremy Newton, our editor, producer, and general top lad, but we will not be joined by Bobby Cousins tonight. I'm afraid he's super busy, but I can promise you that he has not become a sexist by not staying in the room, okay? Every episode, we'll explore periods with a male guest, finding out how their work intersects with the world of menstruation. And this week, we are welcoming the amazingly intelligent Adam Wagner. Adam is a human rights barrister and the founder and chair of Rights Info. Rights Info builds knowledge and support for human rights in the UK by producing engaging, accessible, and beautifully presented online human rights content. You can go on rightsinfo.org and find out more about our work, A Bloody Good Period, as well. We have got Instagram, so if you want to see some pics of us looking fun... Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Stay in the Room Podcast. We don't have Twitter because Twitter's mean, um, but come and have a look at our pictures on Instagram and have a look at our stories. What was your experience with periods? What has been your experience with periods?
1: Well obviously I've never had a period. Mm-hmm. Um but I grew up with two sisters um and a mum obviously so I was never I was always aware of periods. Yeah. Um I also had a lot of um of female friends when I was a teenager. Um and so it, it was something which was always it it, no, it was it wasn't anything something that was odd or, or particularly unusual for me. I, I didn't, you know, it wasn't something that kind of in adult life, the first time I had a girlfriend, I suddenly experienced. I mm-hmm. actually, I knew what periods were, but equally it's been a learning experience over the course of my life.
0: Cool. Because you sort of touched on it there and I'm wondering if it would if it's not gonna take too much to explain about what Habonim is. And I was talking about it today. So me and Adam were both part of a youth movement when we were growing up, socialist. Um, Jewish, left-wing Zionist youth movement. Um, was some of your period experience from there? Is that what you're referring to?
1: I, I actually, I wasn't thinking about that. Okay. I, I actually had a, a, I had a lot of sort of close girlfriends, but you know, aside from oh. from from that, Gosh. Um, because I don't know, because I'm I'm th- that's the kind of person that, that I that I am, and that mm-hmm. certainly I was when i was When I was a child or going into teenage mm. years, but equally um, through In, which was the youth movement we were inv- involved in together, I met a lot of and i was became friendly with a lot of very strong feminists, mm. which was something i didn 't have in my in my sort of ordinary social life mm. and that definitely um, gave me a very different perspective on the world um, than than my ordinary social life would have. Cool,
0: so let's start with so primary school. did you at a mixed primary school? I was, yeah. And did you have any talk about periods there? Did you learn anything there?
1: I very much doubt it. I mean, I was I was at a, an Orthodox Jewish primary school till I was 11, so yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that, the, I, although I don't remember, I'm yeah. guessing that that subject was not something, it wouldn't have been a progressive, you know, it wasn't, yeah. it, it was a modern Orthodox school, so it wasn't, it wasn't anti-progressive, but it wouldn't have been something that was mentioned, I doubt. I wonder if they the girls there. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember to be honest. Yeah. However, I do remember that m- around the time that I was um, either when I was just about to leave primary school when I just started senior school, my very good friend who I, who I won't name but who who is a girl um, called me up and said, "I've started my periods." <laughs> <laughs> Did you and put that your top Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 of course. And and I had to. And I and I think I remember going to my mum and saying. What exactly does she she mean by that? Did um,
0: your mum explain it to you?
1: I don't really remember, but I just remember. I remember being a little bit confused, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it it was something which was open in conversations. It wasn't anything I, I in my family quite open about those sorts of things. So I don't I don't think it was anything which which seemed mis- particularly mysterious or separate from from our lives.
0: All right. And then you went to an all boys school, is that right? I did go to an all boys school. You were at the boys version of my all-girls school and at our school all we did was talk about periods. We literally talked about nothing else. But at your school, I'm guessing no?
1: I don't remember it being a topic of conversation yeah. at all. But I do remember the girls around that time talking a lot about periods. Right. And kind of I and and, and I think I remember it being a uh, A topic of conversation, which would be almost sort of something they had over the boys, right? um, And something that they think that that maybe that they thought would make the boys feel a bit uncomfortable, right? And and that was kind of there was a bit of sport about that.
0: Yeah, we talked about that on the first episode, didn't we, with Dane about Mm -hmm. how the girls would like actively make fun of the boys by talking about periods.
1: Yeah, I I think I think there was definitely an element of that.
0: But I remember doing that. I remember a lot of that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And, and,
1: and obviously there were some boys in in our friendship circle who didn't have sisters and mm-hmm. who really didn't know about this stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that, I think that probably was something they found very confusing mm. and probably a bit gross.
0: Yeah. Cool. And what about now? So now you're married to a woman with two children, one of yes. whom is a little girl.
1: True. Although a very little girl, so she's not... <laughs> very little. <laughs> she's but she's is... five. My son's eight.
0: Eight. So he's coming up to the age when... Is he at school with girls as well?
1: Yeah, she, he's a he's a, a local primary school.
0: So, what is there a different vibe in your house now that you're sort of you and your wife are going to be in charge of talking about periods rather than like receiving information about periods or like how how is it in your household?
1: I think. Well, I mean, it's it, there's only one person in our household who has periods, and I think my my wife is is open about it and she'll talk about it and she she'll explain it to the kids there's no like we're, we're as parents we try and be try and always answer questions
0: yeah
1: honestly and, so and do we they do,
0: ask about periods
1: then no they could I, I think they're not in the slightest bit interested mm-hmm. um but my, my son's quite interested in in science and the human body and that sort of thing so he's he looks at it quite sort of scientifically and and it's something that we wouldn't although all the kids science books have no nothing about reproduction. Yeah,
0: nothing. But also, even if they have reproduction, they usually have nothing about periods. If yeah, can't. I
1: mean, if the, the the books for his age, so for I guess up to ten years old, th- there's just a page missing about reproduction. What you,
0: you don't even have the body book.
1: We we, we which body? The body
0: book is the body? Do box. you mean
1: that the the, the, the Doring? kindersley one
0: no no it's like it's cartoon
1: oh yeah so so we've got that book so i know that, the one you mean yeah. the, the one where it's all metaphorical it's robots and, no no and no m- it's machines. actual
0: bodies so we had know we don't do so so we
1: don't so we don't have oh, that no, okay. no 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 we, we don't have it's that got, we, it's we've, got an actual
0: erection in
1: it yeah we, we've got yeah. ones which have reproduction in them
0: oh jeremy's a <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> little I, lad i i, <laughs> I th- it it seems yeah. like the the ones we've got the body ones we've got are pretty bad for reproduction and stuff like that. But the what but he's got, he's got quite a wide range of of books anyway. So he's definitely got that. He knows all about reproduction. He's very interested in reproduction in animals as well and kind of how, you know, how that all works. He sees it as quite a sort of science topic. So.
0: That's very cute. Yeah, That's I mean, so innocent. I mean, sorry. I mean,
1: you know, he's not been through puberty yet, so so that may change. But mm-hmm. but at the moment, it's just a, it's just a thing, and we're trying. Like my and, and my wife's approach is definitely to be as open as possible, mm. and not to. There's not really any questions we wouldn't answer honestly, although we might simplify it so that because children really, there's certain even clever children. There's certain things you can explain to them that they'll never really understand mm-hmm. because they just don't have the emotional maturity to understand it. Like what? I think I like to take periods as an, as an example. I think it, it's, it's possible to explain that an adult is, feeling, is not feeling well, but it's quite difficult for kids to empathise with that because they, don't, they just don't have the same... Like, you know, grown-ups have um, responsibilities and children don't. And that's a massive difference. So when you're ill as an adult, when you're ill as a child, you're just kind of, you know, you're in bed and getting getting different food or watching TV for a bit. And it's sort of, that's what it is. Whereas an, whereas an adult, it means you're, you're not able to fulfil your responsibilities, whether it's work or childcare or, or whatever. And I think there's a real difference. I, I just don't think children can, it's not within their comprehension to understand what it means to feel um, emotionally or physically low as, as an adult I, I, I mean they a little bit they can like um, you know d- um, daddy's feeling sad today or you know that kind of thing but I think that that there is there is a line beyond which they can't really go
0: and also I suppose with with like periods having your mood affected by your body not by anything in particular is probably quite difficult to understand I mean children as a nanny I know they don't even really understand when they're tired you no, know no, they no, don't understand moodiness is they, because they're tired they,
1: they don't they they don't really for, for, it's it's like when a child needs a toilet they often will go at the very last second yeah because they don't have a they don't have a sort of forward planning mode where they're thinking oh I need the toilet a bit now maybe I'll go now rather than waiting until I'm about to or, or I have have actually weed in my pants and they don't, they just don't plan like that they, they're, they're, they live in the now and it's very different to so, so being I think like you say, like feeling your body affecting your emotional state is really something that they don't get. And also they'll always deny really strongly if you say they're tired.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah and, exactly. and I
1: think there's something about that. They don't, they don't want to accept that, that they've got any kind of limitation. They don't, they just don't, they're not designed for, cho- children. are not designed for that somehow. Mm. They think really differently about their bodies. And, mm. I, and I think probably adolescence changes that as when for, for boys, when they become sort of sexually active and for and for girls when they become sexually active and they start to have periods as well. I think that probably changes their um, conception of the world and their bodies and you know, and how they see the world.
0: Well that's what's so confusing about being a teenager, isn't it? Is that you suddenly have no idea why you're feeling like this and like everything feels so shit and it's like oh it's just like if you could go back now and do it, it's like it's just hormones. Like, of course that's why you feel shit. Anyway, enough about personal home life. I really wanted to talk to you about this stuff because as a human rights barrister, I think I've probably asked you a few questions on Twitter before or just via email or whatever about periods in relation to human rights. So the sort of question floating around menstrual activists at the moment is are period products a human right?
1: I think some sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. So so I think th- so, just to explain how human rights
0: yeah, please
1: do work in in, in the law at least that you have certain. You, there's a there's a list of human rights which um which is in the European Convention on Human Rights and which we have as part of our law by the Human Rights Act. And each of those rights, things like the right to privacy, the right not to be inhumanly or degradingly treated. Um, the right not to be tortured, the right not to be falsely imprisoned—they're—they're—they're they're, they're quite simple. But then, when you apply them to real-life situations, they get a bit more complicated. Um, How many
0: human rights are there?
1: Well, is I mean, there, there's, it- there's 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 thirty in the in the Universal Declaration, and in in reality, there's about fourteen, sixteen in the in the U, in, in in the European Convention. But they're but they're the ones that for. for Periods—the really relevant ones—are the right to private and family life, and the right to not being humanly treated. So, I'll give you an example of why periods are a human right. And and, and I think so. I I tweeted today about that I'm coming on this podcast, and can people give me any sort of um, things, uh, legal cases that have happened, or guidance? Um, And 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 my and my colleague Angela Patrick um, reminded me of a piece of work that she did. With another colleague of mine, Keelan Gallagher QC, both sort of um, very um, uh, well-known women's rights campaigners, and they did a piece of work for about um, rights in prisons, for rights for prisoners and um, female prisoners who are on their period. So, what, what's the what? How should they be treated in a way which doesn't under, undermine their human rights? And this and because they're in the care of the state and because their lives are completely controlled so that's the most prisons are the most extreme example of where your your rights are being totally controlled by the state where it's quite different to you where you know you've got your own money you can go out and buy things and you can control your own health more or less mm-hmm. although you know with lots of lots of nuance to that yeah but in a prison you're completely controlled you don't have any you know if if they if you're not given tampons, you don't get tampons you know and and that's really it if, or if you can't buy them with your money so with your prison money so the they produced some guidelines um for in in prisons as to how women prisoners should be treated so there were stories about women i mean i mean true stories about women prisoners being left to sort of bleed in their cells because mm-hmm. they were because it wasn't the right time to go out of the cell and they you know they, and they were buzzing on the door but they couldn't get their um their tampons or tampex in in time um so that th- that kind of being left bleeding in the corner of a cell you mm-hmm. can that's clearly inhuman and degrading treatment That's mm-hmm. the definition almost of inhuman treatment you're being you know it's, it's a complete undermining of your dignity and dignity is at the heart of all human rights it's right mm-hmm. in the introduction to the universal declaration about the inherent dignity of all people so you can imagine lots of situations where a woman's dignity is being completely undermined by the failure of a, of a, of a prison or the failure of a, a school like you know and, and your campaigns about um period poverty the failures by the state in um for asylum seekers because there's nothing it's, it's difficult to imagine something more degrading than having to you know r- wrap a towel around yourself where you're where, and, and and the blood showing through and everyone can see
0: and does that breach of dignity have to be in public so if you no. were in your own if, if you were sort of in your own home I mean with prison it's different because you are sort of always in public but if you were in your own home and unable to extend the flow basically would that be a breach of dignity as well
1: Well, well do you think it would be I mean how would that make you feel
0: Yeah right yeah I mean I, I mean <laughs> And a flip you've got the, the question back family, yeah. but,
1: but 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 the but human rights are meant to be ab- about the small places and about right. be- about in homes they're not just about in these sort of public situations right. but ov- obviously being humiliated in public mm-hmm. adds an extra dimension yeah but you can be degraded on your own i mean a lot of a lot of people all over the country are feeling degraded in their homes right now because right. they're depressed or because they're in terrible living conditions or they don't have enough money to feed their children you know so so, so it's degrees and there's and there's um different scenarios but the main thing with with human rights perceptions, human rights only apply to the state mm-hmm. so i can't breach in law at least i can't breach your human rights by by doing something to you i'm not a public authority so i don't they don't the law doesn't apply to me but it does apply to the, the nhs it applies to the home office you know with asylum seekers um, tampons and and, and and period supplies. It applies to in prisons. It applies uh, to local authorities. It applies in disability disability cases. I mean, disabled rights is a huge area of human rights. So you can imagine lots of situations where people in their uh, women in their homes, people who um who menstruate. So I i'm going from the, the the standard introduction yeah we're all on a learning process we we're, are, all, we're all trying to be sensitive we are we
0: are we are don't yeah. don't worry too much about language like we we the worst thing for i think would be for us to have to constantly police our own language is that yeah. we are trying our best yes yeah.
1: but people you know people who menstruate are you know might be at more risk if they're might be at more risk of having their dignity breached if they're disabled because they mm-hmm. find it harder to to manage that and that and the state may have a responsibility to help them because it's part of their disability um and then there's the, the, the and then there's the question of women women and people who menstruate in work mm. and, and which is in the workplace which is a whole other area and one which i i did i've done a bit of thinking about i'm not the certainly not the the uk expert on this but it seems like that's a really underdeveloped yeah. area of, in in law i mean the fact that i was was tweeting today with some and some of the the, the country's leading Experts, if not the leading experts in the Equality Act, mm-hmm. responded, Oh, I'm not sure, maybe about this case. I think there was one a while ago, and that's no criticism of them, but it seems mm. to be a very underdeveloped yeah. area of law about how, you know, what, what I would like to see if there, and, and and I don't think it exists, maybe it does exist, so I've proviso there. But why is there no Equality and Human Rights Commission guidance on employers and how they? should treat women at work um, with a peri- with their periods. So
0: I don't know if there is, but we are working on something in BGP. And actually today we were going through. So we're working on this project called Bloody Good Employers which is basically getting employers to take responsibility for people who menstruate because it affects the the main thing it seems to affect is sick leave. So if you have endometriosis, PMDD or yeah. any sort of like you know heavy period or really bad cramps, you're going to be taking time off every single month and that will affect your sick leave yeah and then women and people who menstruate are getting managed out of the workplace but we were actually I mean today we we're about to hire someone and I was looking at our own contract and actually I realized there was no point of reference so it's like it is quite horrifying that even these like top experts in the country don't even really know about how to include this in law well, well I mean no, I think, no judgment on
1: them. Obviously, yeah, no, no, no. no, no, no. I, and I think, and I think they, I think it's it's a developing area. But am just thinking it through. It seems to me that there's the two, in terms of the Equality Act, there's, which which pr- protects people against discrimination because of various what are called protected characteristics like race, sexuality, um, um, sex, and various like, you know where, where, whether they're um, homosexual etc the it seems to me that the the there's there's two areas that quite clearly this can hit there's discrimination on grounds of sex so any 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 policy or practice or action which an employer takes which is discriminating against people who have particularly heavy periods or the well, call it the periods that prevent them going about their everyday mm-hmm. jobs. Um, if they discriminate against them, say by say by saying you're you're not doing your job, or, or putting them through um, putting them through disciplinary pr- processes, that seems to me at you know potentially discrimination and potentially unlawful discrimination. And then there's the policies that they might have, which, like you say, like the the, the contracts. Which might not allow for that eventuality, and then there's the other, the second potential discrimination, which is about on grounds of disability. And having a period is not a disability; it is definitely not a disability, as in it's just part of everyday life. In the same way that having the menopause is not is not considered a disability. Someone sent me an article today, um, who's a another discrimination expert, and he'd written an article about how certain symptoms of the menopause if they are preventing you on a long-term basis say a number of years carrying out your everyday work over over a course of time because you're you've got um, psychological issues or physical health issues then that would probably fit within the definition of a disability
0: oh, that's really interesting but then surely if a workplace was accounting for menopause so if the workplace was just completely different, maybe, and was, you know, maybe if, I don't know, I actually don't know how menopause symptoms work. I don't know if it's not well, monthly. Well,
1: the, the, it, the, but lo- the logic applies equally to a very heavy period. Right. Um, so, so, I mean, I think
0: yeah.
1: that if a woman has a very heavy, heavy period every month yeah. um, and, that, and that makes them feel unwell, maybe they can't get on the tube let's that's a good yeah. example not yeah. not being able to I, I i know from 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 my wife's experience that it can be very difficult for her when she's when she's got a period to, to go on a tube because it's very hot and stuffy yeah. and she and she and and she will potentially faint yeah, yeah so that's a pretty obvious example yeah. of where that's going to affect your ability to go into work mm-hmm. or to, if you have to go into work every mm-hmm. day so if you go to an employer and say well I want I would like to have um two or three days a month where I work from home mm-hmm. to allow for that And they say, no. Um, If they can't justify that, then that may well be discrimination because that seems to be something which is a long-term issue which is affecting the way you can carry out your everyday work. It may be sex discrimination. It may be disability discrimination. But It does seem like it's something which... Well, I mean, to to put it on a simple way, if it was a man who was having those symptoms because... I don't know. I didn't, I can't think of a of of of, of a of a male um, condition of a condition that males have that would be monthly mm-hmm. in that same way. But if it was regular, mm-hmm. and they said, "Look, you know, I'm, for whatever reason, I've got this condition," which Acrotic is labyrinthitis,
0: dizziness, or something. yeah, yeah well, yeah, it, it, yeah. exactly, a
1: a, a, um, a a nausea thing, yeah. Then the the employer would probably say, "Oh, yeah, fine, yeah. you know, that's fine." And I just think there is something quite different about the way periods are. Handled.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: I think it's just it's just sexism, isn't it? I mean, it's just the way that the world's been designed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it I, sounds pretty trite.
0: No, no, I agree, and that's yeah. why I was asking about if something like menopause could be classed as a disability. Is that not able to be like turned around or turned on its head by a different design of the workplace? So, if, for example, um, a, wo- a woman, of a, I don't know, certain age wasn't able to come into work because the temperature was just too hot for her at all times. Like my mum had mega hot flashes. Sorry, mum. But if the if the workplace was unable to provide like aircon, for example, um, then it could be classed as a disability. But then if they did provide aircon, then that might be um, like undermined.
1: Well, th- if. Th- if people in the workplace have a disability then the employer doesn't the employer has a duty to make reasonable adjustments mm-hmm. and that reasonable adjust one of the reasonable adjustments might be giving that person a, an office of their own where they can control the temperature mm-hmm. i mean I, overall i'm a little bit uncomfortable with the idea of menopause mm-hmm. being classed as a disability right. um, in the same way i'm uncomfortable with a period being disclassed as a disability it seems almost it seems counterproductive yeah. and it may in itself lead to the wrong kind of um approach being taken yeah. although maybe that is coming from a position of thinking of disabilities in a slightly old-fashioned way as in mm. you know as in that they are um they are something which you should feel sorry for people about rather yeah. than just just a feature of of, of an individual yeah. that that you know. It, it's like any other feature of an individual, and you and the reasonable adjustments bit is 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 a kind of positive, constructive way of, right, of addressing different
0: Abilities rather than disability. Yeah, yeah,
1: I, yeah. I, I think maybe that there's a bit. The language is a bit is complicated and it's old fashioned. Mm-hmm. And and but but I, but I was wondering when I was thinking about this issue today whether that it is in part part of the problem that maybe, and I'm speaking not from personal experience, but maybe women don't want to say well this is a disability yeah because there's yeah. an element of stigma to that they just want to be able to say i've got i'm on my period um so, so there was a case someone sent me a case about a a um there was a case in scotland about a, a woman who's a court usher, and she had she had some sort of condition oh, i can't remember what it was but it was something either arising from menopause or to do with periods i can't remember but it was but she had to take a certain kind of a certain medication and she'd there was this whole sort of excruciating um story where she had poured thought she would poured her medication into the water jug in the courts just before the court So, so they'd made some reasonable adjustments that she wouldn't have to be in certain kinds of work and so they'd started to work through it i think it was menopause and she poured the water into the water jug, and some blokes had just sort of taken the water jug, and then she, you know, said, "Oh my God, I think you may have dropped my medication." And they and they started harassing her about you know t- um, her women's issues and that sort of thing. Right. And then it just thought, and then she was disciplined for that. You know, she was disciplined. She was disciplined, and it, 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 it. I'll send you the the case, which is quite sort yeah, of let's easy read to read. If we can, yeah. Um, but it's um, I I just think that there's a huge amount of um lack of understanding about these issues i mean going back to the beginning of our conversation was talking about my children and the way that they sort of engage with with these sorts of issues one of the things that's really changed since we were children is well from my probably imperfect memory of when we were children is a lot of the stuff they see on tv talk about health issues in a really much more open way so particularly the BBC stuff. So they, they watch CBeebies BBs a lot and there's a programme um called um Get Well Soon with Do- oh, with, with Dr. Dr. Range. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Range, yeah. who's now who's now famous for strictly come dancing. But but Oh,
0: is that what uh, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. So, but but but, but a very
0: handsome man. Oh, we should get him on Jeremy. He's Dr. Ranj. Yeah, he's, get him on. he's
1: Yeah, we super handsome. He's a lovely That's smile. That's not why
0: I want him on. He has a lovely smile.
1: No, no, but he's also just amazing. You know, yeah. he, and he and he will explain about all these medical things, and I don't know whether they've done one about periods actually, because generally it's about things that kids have. I think
0: we'd know. I think we'd know. But
1: but there's yeah. no reason why they wouldn't. And yeah. I, and I think that though that, that kind of, I feel like my my children are getting a better grounding. And also, in disability. So mm. BBC BBC generally is really good at um, that. There's a there's a program um, called Something Special, um, which is all about disabled children and But it's not about disabled children. It's just about clowning and having fun is with mm-hmm. Justin Fletcher. It's really great. And, and I feel like there's been a huge amount of work put into making those sorts of issues not issues. They're just mm-hmm. things, that, things that are part of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, and it's open and it's positive and it's not about um, feeling sorry for people. It's about um, welcoming people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that there's a real um, disconnect in for for people who are adults now even young adults as to how they have how they engage with these kind of issues how they you know in the workplace mm-hmm. how they engage with um, with periods generally so, so there's a bit uh, quite a lot of work has been done on mental health and I think mental health is the, there's been the the, the big campaign I've forgotten what it was called but the big the really big campaign which Prince William and um, Kate Middleton were involved in oh, uh, about yeah. destigmatizing mental health I it's can't just,
0: think what it's called but I know what you, you mean you can't what? That's about men in particular. No,
1: I'll, I'll remember, um, but it's not, it's, it's
0: not with mind, is it? Bryony Gordon's done it. There was some
1: stuff with the the what the, there the, the was work with mind, um, but
0: yeah,
1: but I think that 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 needs to happen. With I think that the, the, what I was talking about before about the lack of, it just seems like there's there's a lack of um, thought and guidance in the workplace about periods Mm -hmm. but weirdly Mm -hmm. because it's it's the most common and in a in a way simple issue Mm -hmm. because every practically every woman you know every other person Mm -hmm. has it and goes through it Mm -hmm. and it affects everybody Mm -hmm. in in in, in indirect and indirect ways it's just odd that it's not more of a conversation it's not more more obvious when people talk about disability in the workplace and sex discrimination in the workplace and things like that all the time because they're just part of the workplace.
0: But I can completely see why, because if all the people at the top have traditionally been men and the women that do get to the top are often the kind of women, I mean, I'm generalising, but these are just, the, you know, from my experience and then also looking at like government, are the kind of women who have to almost pretend they are not women in order to get to the top. I'm thinking of Theresa May, you know, almost just com- the complete opposite from someone like um, the New Zealand Prime Minister who sort of is very much, like, openly a woman, where, um, where you know, if the people in power aren't the people thinking about it or being allowed to talk about it, then why would it have been talked about? You know, if it's just something that we are all taught as women to just get on with, just get on with, just get on with, keep it secret, get on with it, you wouldn't really bring it up, actually, in the workplace unless you were, like, felt incredibly secure and comfortable and you know ready to risk stuff because it is or or
1: if you saw someone above you exactly um, you know bringing it up and making it normalizing it and i think and i think that cultural element to it is really is it it comes almost before the any kind of legal guidance or Mm. your legal protections like legal protections can can do some work Mm And I think that the the the, cha- the the sex discrimination law, for example, and race discrimination law, has made a big difference in the workplace because it's because it's forced employers who wouldn't otherwise have wanted to think about these issues mm. to think about these issues. So I think it does make a difference. But I think the bigger difference is from cultural cultural change, mm-hmm. and that is just that has to happen in all different areas at once. You know, mm. from li- female. I, I, it's not, this isn't particularly my issue that I feel sort of that I can say this is what would work but it just mm-hmm. seems I, I think cultural and institutional issues are often quite similar to each other and you need leadership, you need policies, you need guidance, you need um, people leading by example um, you need the normalising of, of certain kinds of conversations mm-hmm. and I think that's probably in the workplace mm-hmm. where what how you would change this mm-hmm. um assuming that it needs changing and, and, and again well first of all i don't work in a company so mm-hmm. actually i don't although i i set up a charity so i've got a little bit of experience of of, of a very small setup but mm-hmm. it's um but i've always been self-employed almost always been self-employed right. so i don't have as good experience yeah. of uh, certainly not working in a big company
0: i can tell you it needs changing i promise i think i'm speaking for everyone who's ever had a period is <laughs> <laughs> listening to this but you know it's 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 as small as having to shove your tampon up your sleeve to go to the toilet because of embarrassing people around you or you know a lot of a lot of times i've heard people talk about how they just didn't have the bins in the toilets because it was you know it's not through like spite or malice it's just that oh maybe it was um a man who doesn't have a wife doesn't have daughters or you know just hasn't thought about periods is decorating the bathroom and hasn't thought to put a period bin in or even a, a normal bin um up right up until like having to explain to your boss that you have endometriosis and therefore can't come in for three days every single month because it's agony you know i think it is it's it's a cross this is why we, we talk about like menstrual equity which is like a term coined by a lawyer in new york jennifer weiss wolf because it's not just about poverty it's about like everything to every single slice of life basically is affected by um, a lack of menstrual equity
1: no that's i mean i think i think that's a great the great expression
0: um she's brilliant
1: and i'm guessing that well i don't know i mean i don't know i don't know what the how um, developed things are in the States as compared to here. I'm guessing that... It's
0: about the same. Yeah. I mean, she's made some real strides in, like, New York and the cities, but I think because it's so big, it's actually... It's probably quite similar to here, if you know what I mean. Just the general population being... thinking about it differently.
1: Yeah, and 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 the structural issues are not just going to disappear overnight. Exactly, I mean, there's the yeah. kind of Caroline, Criado Perez thesis of the of the in all the invisible Mm -hmm. structural um issues that have arisen
0: yeah
1: because simply not through malice Mm -hmm. but because well i mean there might be through malice to an extent but 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 because all of the people doing the the research and all of the people being researched were men yeah so and and that applies equally to the workplace the workplaces have evolved Mm -hmm. i mean i i remember um one of the quite sort of senior female qc who's a sort of senior barrister um probably in her 60s telling me that when she was looking for pupillages which is in the 70s which is the legal training um a couple of chambers just just said we can't interview you're a good candidate we can't interview because we don't have a women's toilet <gasps> and and we're not going to build one for you so so sorry about that and, what I, and, and,
0: that, and they couldn't share a toilet
1: no, 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 of course, of course. The idea of, co- of it being of, like a
0: like a toilet not. for everyone, like yeah. in a house. Yeah,
1: no no, so no, no, no. There was there was there's no, no women's toilet, and and, and we can't, we're just not going to build a women's toilet for you. But um, they don't even
0: need to build it. They could have
1: just opened it up. No, I know, but that that I imagine wouldn't have would have. No, I, think I mean, implied, I know I'm being like, I think, Whoa. yeah, I think, I think the, the implication is they wouldn't have done that either.
0: Yeah, um, bloody
1: hell, jeez, yeah, carry on. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so, so but but the bar isn't isn't like that anymore mm-hmm. thankfully and the, the, there's a lot of um well certainly the the, the bar is quite interesting because at the beginning it's pretty much 50 50 male men women but as you get more senior there's a higher rate of dropout amongst women than amongst men mm-hmm. and the bars a very difficult very difficult profession it's very um it's a very intensive you know he's a lot of traveling on you know really unglamorous sort of trains at five thirty in the morning to different parts of England traveling there's a lot of carrying you know heavy boxes and stuff so it's 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 just a really physically quite a difficult profession, and I think that the the, the dropout rate for for men and women is quite high because of that and because of the stress as well mm-hmm. but it does seem like and again this isn't my this isn't an issue which I'm an expert on, but it's it's the, there is a higher dropout amongst women than, than amongst men mm-hmm. um and also judges don't forget are mostly men mm-hmm. um or have traditionally been mostly men so there's there's a lot of um discussion at the moment about how judges treat women mm. um and whether there's sort of bullying or there is a um unfair um unfair approach to women as compared to men. Yeah, and then there are the sort of practical issues. What time do you start? What time do you finish? Toilet breaks, that sort of thing, which judges just don't sort of, you know, necessarily, it's not on their radar.
0: I mean, let's talk, about, let's talk a bit about mansplaining. Okay. Like how, like how does it feel like talking about this stuff? What, what is it that you would worry about?
1: Well, oh, I'm worried about mansplaining generally. I mean, I right. get I get told fairly regularly um, that I'm mansplaining because I am, um, mm-hmm. and because I, I'm you know I am a natural mansplainer
0: mm-hmm. as an. And do you mansplain I'd, other men or? I'm, man I, I mean, I'm
1: mansplain to anyone. That's just
0: explaining, isn't no, it? but
1: but I mean, I, no, look, I mean, I, I, I'm a man who likes to explain things. Yeah. I don't necessarily. That doesn't always mean I'm mansplaining, as in yeah. saying to, to explain to a woman about yeah. about women's issues. Yeah. But I think there is, I. I Feel a strong um, risk of talking about, for example, um, women's rights in the workplace from mm-hmm. a from a perspective of, as a man, mm-hmm. because I don't expect. Well, first of all, I don't, I don't even work in a company, mm-hmm. but also, you know, I know a lot about discrimination law and human rights law, but I don't, I don't haven't experienced the issues that a woman experiences physical and physical and mental health issues that a woman might experience that are specific to being a woman. Mm i just don't i haven't experienced but those do you think
0: you have to experience that in order to have a well I, to I, be able to talk about I,
1: it i don't think so i mean i'm i'm, I'm very um i think that the, there's a there's a bit of a um unfortunate misunderstanding at the moment about people talking about issues which are not not theirs mm-hmm. well i mean i get it from both sides because pe- people the problem it's a, on twitter for example if i'll talk about a particular issue a particular kind of racism Mm -hmm. for example or a particular you know another kind of human rights issue you can be told almost at the same time that you should you shouldn't be talking about you should be talking about something out why aren't you talking about x you talk so much about why why you're talking about Mm -hmm. x and at the same time well you can't talk about x because that's not your issue Mm -hmm. so you can get you can have both of those things and i think I think that the you know, looking at it from a human rights perspective, and what what I consider human rights to be about, mm-hmm. human rights are about uh, empathy. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. about understanding that other people are people just like you, um, which is just kind of seem, sounds really trite and obvious. But I think actually the the, the way our brains work is is you generally to in sort of like concentric circles of there's a circle around us which is our our group our tribe our family or whatever and we privilege them with very specific rights in our, he- in, our in our head's not consciously generally but subconsciously that we privilege them as special they get special treatment from us. We understand them. We give them the benefit of the doubt. We um, we we might give them our our resources because they're worth giving our resources because they're part of our group, our family, our tribe. And I think it's really human, and and what human rights are about is about recognizing that as a natural human trait, and trying to sort of deprogram us. So 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 giving giving other people agency that otherwise in in your in our sort of very limited world experiences, we might not give agency, trying to get under their skin and understand what, what they're about. And generally what they're about is the same as what we're about. Just, they also privilege their groups and they have their own concerns and, um, and and exactly as we do. But understanding that about ourselves and getting uh, into people's, like, empathising with people.
0: And- so is this more about equity then than equality? This is something I've been like I mean I feel like I only learned the difference between the two like terms like last week or something in that equality is like the same for everyone whereas equity people have different needs I, I mean is that I, right
1: I would have a site I think equality you can define in different ways uh-huh. so, so and, and actually the, the the main difference between the left and the right is that is that the left you know this is really a bit of a caricature but the left see equality as as making people giving people the same Mm -hmm. distributing goods so that pretty much everybody has the same Mm -hmm. or similar Mm -hmm. and the right see equality as as giving people the opportunity to um to work to get what they what they deserve um, whereas the, the the idea of deserving on on the left isn't isn't as strong, and I think mm. that a lot of people would be would consider themselves in the in the middle of that in, mm-hmm. in reality. But I think equality can mean equality of outcome or equality of opportunity. I think they are quite different mm. concepts. Okay. Um, equity, I mean, I, I in in law, equity is really about about doing what's fair, mm-hmm. and it's about when you talk about equity, it's about it's about divvying things up in a fair way, and it might not be about giving people the same, but it might be it's about using your sort of human judgment to, mm-hmm. to get there. But I think that they're all, they're really mixed up concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but human rights are, are really about this idea that everybody is different, but at the, at the centre of everybody is the same core. And the core is this, this, per, this um, person who wants to go about their lives living with dignity and with the opportunities to live their best life and to not be degraded by, by other people. Know, and, and not have their lives sort of trampled on by the state it's those sort of things that if you went to a, a village in a in a faraway country or a city in the uk or a city in you know in on the other side of the world you would find people have exactly the same core needs that's what human rights are about um and i think with going back to the mansplaining point i think that the 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 people shouldn't probably be afra- as afraid as they are of trying to empathise mm-hmm. and trying to get into the um, lives of other people. Mm-hmm. But but also like be, be wary of not then saying, well, I understand you now and I'm going to tell you what you need and, what, and what, yeah. I, what you want.
0: I think there's a big difference between you coming on a period podcast, being interviewed by a period activist who is a woman and the man who said actually, ladies, you can use this many tampons during your period, and that's it. Did you read about that in The Guardian? No. Some there's A, a really lovely man tweeted, basically, he'd done the maths, apparently. He had <laughs> no idea how tampons work, right. clearly, because he thought you could wear one per day. You can't. You need, might need, like, five. So he did the maths, and he said, actually, if you just wear one tampon per day, it shouldn't cost you more than, like, 50p a period or something. So actually, period poverty is bollocks. Like... That's mansplaining because he's got no fucking clue. Whereas I feel like you know this is our life, shit, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I I'd hope <laughs> I so. I'd yeah. hope so. But look, I mean, I, I, it, I'm not. Periods are a part of my life because my I, I live with a woman who has periods. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that is quite a sort of significant part of my life. It's not mm-hmm. the same as mm-hmm. having periods, but it is. Yeah. You know, it, it, it does. It's something which. I experienced indirectly
0: mm-hmm.
1: each month and that's something that's that certainly improved my understanding mm. of of what a period really is and what effect it can have but I but equally it's not something that sh- which I have experienced it's not something that I can talk about directly mm-hmm. You're empathetic towards it. I try and be empathetic. Yeah. I can't promise. I mean, I know my, my wife will probably listen to this and she'll be saying, like, <laughs>
0: "Let's get Julia." On. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I mean, she she'd be great. Um, definitely. But I, I think there's there's also a being very sort of um, self-critical. There's an element of the kind of the woke man who talks a lot about knowing about empathizing and, but then when the chips come come down to it, you know, are they actually? really sympathetic
0: it's mm-hmm.
1: you know, one thing sort of understanding and, and getting to grips with how people are feeling are you then part of the solution
0: yeah when, to, it, to when it when and it makes it inconvenient for you exa- are you going to be the ex- one who stands up to the boss and says actually we need period leave
1: exactly and yeah. or, or you know in, in 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 the home are you going to be um is there going to be proper equity in the home mm. and i think a lot of a lot of men and i think me included talk the talk mm. and don't necessarily always walk the walk because it's inconvenient exactly. and i think if, if we if yeah. we are if we were honest as a sex you know even and, and, and i think it, it doesn't i don't think it's really about where your politics are mm. i think every i think people are how they behave in the home is a, has a lot to do with the kind of character they are mm. and i think that there's there's an element of of I mean that has to be spoken about as well yeah because that's and that's part of the fem, the, whole, the feminist movement is about the home mm. as well, you know the personal as the political and that and that and that and I think that's a really important conversation to be had honestly
0: what do you think about that Jez
1: I'm just processing it yeah <laughs> give me a couple of minutes yeah
0: yeah I think I think that's a really good point I think like I mean that, I think that you've probably like hit the nail on the head like the thing that is the most frustrating is you can have you can have men turn up to free period protests. You can have them sort of repost what you're putting on Twitter or whatever. And then actually, like when it comes down to it, if you're having a really bad period and it's just incredibly inconvenient, is that man going to believe you? Is that, you know, is it going to be just like, oh, not again? But like, it's like, yeah, it is again. It's every month. Sometimes it's terrible. Sometimes it's great. But um, yeah, I think that's a really excellent point. I mean that is like that's like 60s feminism isn't it personal is political like it's has anything really changed Yes is the answer Yeah <laughs> I mean no. I
1: I I'm 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 guessing things have changed, changed because yeah. because women are much more open about their bodies and about about their you know menstruation Pregnancy. I think pregnancy become, since we were children, has become much more in the public. You know, I think mm. my mum my always says that women just used to disappear. Mm. Like, pu- pe- so people and women in public life mm-hmm. used to just disappear when they, when, when they became pregnant mm-hmm. and they would reappear, you know, holding a baby and looking, mm. looking um, beautiful. Mm. And that was what pregnancy was. Whereas now you, you see pregnancy yeah. up close and personal, you know, and people are very proud of that. And that's, and that's great. Um, and I think also, I mean, I think there's probably a difference having had two children. I think men, in the past two generations, have become much more involved with childbirth, mm. and actually are there. Yeah. And I think I think that you know, there's an episode of Mad Men um, where Don Draper is they're having their third, I think their third child, and Don Draper sort of just. I think he stands outside with a cigarette, you know, waiting for, for, th- for his wife to be wheeled out with the baby, you know, mm-hmm. which is the kind of, which is what men did then. Yeah. And I think there's a big, di- I think there's a, it must be making a big difference to, me- to a generation of men being present during yeah. childbirth, yeah, because there's no um, there's no hiding from the sort of physicality of that. It's so a really present. Yeah, absolutely. Both of them. Yeah, both of them. Yeah. That's,
0: yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, my, and, and it's
1: the norm. Yeah. I mean, it's really amongst my friendship group. It is. It, it would be very, very unusual for a man not to be there, yeah. right, right there. I mean, whether they're actually st- what at what 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 men describe as the business, business end, business yeah. Um, whether they're there or not, yeah. Um, and I was, but I don't know whether. I think that's probably varies, but there's a, you know, the, the, that whole process, in
0: the room, you know, being is, in the room is the big difference.
1: Yeah. Right? And being there for the, for the, for the checks and for the, for, for all of the, the process. Yeah. You know, I, I think that probably has made a huge difference to how men and women, um, it, well, how men interact with their partner's sort of physicality and, and, mm. um, and, and, just their, their bodies generally. Mm. Like it's not just it's not just for sex. It's for you know it's 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 for everything. You yeah. know it's, it's it 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 does lots of things and there's yeah. no and and you don't just get to pick and choose which ones you present for and which ones right. you're not. And I think that is probably made a big difference to how to what men understand um, and what they've experienced. I have no sort of empirical basis for mm. that, but it must have made a difference.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So what do you think is the future in terms of human rights and women, obviously, or people who menstruate. Obviously, there's there's things already changing. We've got um, Amica George and uh, for her free periods campaign with the Red Box project. They're launching a legal campaign because um, children are being prevented from accessing education, which is a human right. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. What do you? Th- what can you see? Or what would you like to see in the future in in this sphere?
1: Um. I think there needs to be a much more open and holistic approach to periods, particularly in the workplace, just to start with, mm-hmm. and probably in schools as well, the, the Amica George kind of approach. Because there, it seems to me from my out, slightly outsider perspective that it's still something which is you know, not... You, you and Bloody Good, period, and, and certain other campaigners, notwithstanding, it's still something that isn't spoken about very much, mm-hmm. Amongst between men and women, mm. but I think I think it can't it, it can't just be a conversation amongst women. Oh, it has yeah, to yeah. It has to be very much a conversation amongst men and women.
0: But do you think by putting it by placing it as so it's very much I mean like a cultural conversation? But do you think by placing it as like a political or like human rights based conversation that could bring other people in, aka men, into the conversation? Because just, if it's just culturally. It's of no real interest to people who aren't experiencing
1: it. Yeah, I, I think I think any kind of mass cultural change needs to have multiple prongs, and if you look at Me Too, like Me Too, has a legal element, a really strong legal element. That if you are if you are sexually harassed or assaulted, then that is a criminal and or civil law um, issue and you can you can sue somebody or you, or they can go to prison like, and that's a really important it's I think society when when we consider things to be important we put sort of legal protections around them that's 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 why we that's why we do it is to is to say this is so important because you know, sexual assault as we think of it now didn't necessarily used to be a crime I mean marital rape wasn't a crime and mm. it wasn't a crime until I think 20 years ago so so the there the, are the, the culture the culture moves and at the same time or afterwards or maybe a bit before the, the law moves. And I think that the, using a sort of human rights lens can really crystallise what it is that you want to stop happening. And also, some employers are not going to just follow the culture. A lot of employers just will, will follow what they have to do and no more. That's just the nature of the workplace. So I think there is an element of that. And I think that there's certainly no harm in in approaching this as a a human rights issue. I mean, it's difficult to think of a human rights issue which affects more people um, and would make more people's lives better than making it easier for women to have periods in the workplace or in general society. That's pretty seems like a bit of a, a, a no-brainer, but it's still something that which is kind of... I remember this with, with when we started, um when when at Rights Info, we looked, we we interviewed um, Amica George a while, like just before she started, she um, became really well-known. Mm. And also we interviewed you as well yeah, around yeah, the same yeah. time. Yeah. And I remember looking at this at the time and, and we were trying to sort of think through the, the le- potential legal issues. And it seemed quite quite vague um which is a bit strange because it's a really it's a really sort of crucial issue Mm. which should have a body of legal cases behind it there should be test cases going on about what's you know what, what period leave for example you know what's appropriate and lawful for an employer to say yes or no to that seems really basic and then the there are dangers to legalizing, not legalizing to making things, um, I think lawyerized, if I mm-hmm. put it like that, because because then it becomes quite sort of confrontational, mm-hmm. and and that and that I think can really it can put back um, cultural change if people feel it's a sort of my rights versus yours kind of issue. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it can give people the, um, it can give people, it can make people people feel more confident going to their employer and saying, well, I want X because I'm entitled to X. And it's your responsibility to give me X. And if you don't give me X, then well, I'm gonna make a complaint and I've got every right to make a complaint. And I think that can be a really powerful, um, that can be really powerful for your average person. Your average person this is certainly my experience through the law. Your average person does not want to make a fuss. Like, that is the natural human condition. It's not natural to make a fuss. Like you have to be a certain kind of person. or be driven to a to an extreme, extremely bad situation to make a fuss. Most people just want to get on with their lives and go to work and come home, watch TV, and you know, and look after the family and or, or have fun or whatever. They don't want to be like the person who's making a fuss at work and getting into all this. Problem. So I think that there's there's an element of that if there are if the if they feel they've got legal rights that gives them more confidence but it also will allow them will allow organizations to come in and say well you know here's some guidance like like bloody good here are here's some guidance for employers we think this is what you should do and you should be best practice you should do it so I think that I mean that's already happening mm-hmm. um, but I think that that it seems to me like there is a bit of a lack of impetus but mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see your guidance and I'd be mm-hmm. very happy to feed in or help you find people to feed into the the legal elements of it cuz you want a you want a little bit of that guidance to really frighten employers as well as as well as a, you know make them feel like well I can be I can be the best yeah the best employer mm-hmm. you want the less progressive employers to read to have a little box to say actually what well, I may be preaching people's rights or maybe discriminating against people if I don't do these
0: things mm, good to know yeah. All right. Well, should we should leave it at that then. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it at <laughs> that. Scare the employers. Yes. Thank you so much, Adam. It's a pleasure. That was so interesting. Do you want to tell us where to follow you, where to find Rights Info as well? Or
1: yeah, you can find um, Rights Info, which I, um, which is a human rights public education charity, which I founded and I chair, and that's at www.rightsinfo.org. Um, lots of sort of simple, easy to understand, and really interesting human rights resources and videos and news news stories and that sort of thing we've covered lots of stuff about period poverty um and um bloody good as well um i'm adam wagner one on twitter and you can find me there mansplaining about any (laughs) any range of any range of topics
0: great